You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. Today we are starting our new series called Fear Factor. And so I was thinking of this story and uh, I was like, man, what God, what... When, when have I ever been rejected? And I was like, man, I, I know the perfect story. So I start to laugh in the meeting. Y'all want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So don't laugh. Um, when, I, when, I, uh, when I was growing up, my parents said, hey, you can't, you can't date till you're 18. I was like, oh, whatever. I'm going to do my thing. So I didn't date till I was 18. Um, and uh, at a student camp, I found this amazing girl. Oh, she looked good. And so... I was like, I'm going to go talk to that girl. So I talked to her. We talking. We go on a first date. Guess where the first date was? Yes. Jason's Deli. <laughs> yeah. It was good. I'm telling you. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to insult her. Like, I wanted to know if she wanted the spud or a salad. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. So I was like, man, let me, let me take her to her place. I don't want to insult her. And so we went there. We had, we had fun. I was like, cool, cool. I got this. I got this. It went well. It went really good. And so... We are going out on a second date. I was like, okay, okay. I said, Dad, I'm going out on a second date. I've never dated before in my life. That's why I took her to Jason's Deli on the first one. I was like, Dad, where should I, where, where should I take her? He said, go out on the water. I said, okay, look at my dad. Okay, play a player. And so we go out on the water to a nice seafood restaurant. I hate seafood. And I was like, man, I, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for her. Um, but what made me mad was she went to a seafood restaurant and ordered a hamburger. <laughs> Let me tell you something else. I spent $10.95 on that burger, and she took one bite out of it. <laughs> Man, I, was, I ain't taking on another date. Uh, that's You're $10.95? That's my life. That's my whole savings account. What are you, $10.95? One bite? Come on. That, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? So then I got over it. Because I, I noticed the one bite the whole time we were talking. I was like, man, she better bite that burger again. <laughs> she better bite it. She better bite it or I'm going to tell her to get a box. <laughs> so then we walk on the water, and it's all fun. It's all cool. We're talking about life, and we're talking about all these different things. And it, it was cool. It was nice. And it got a little boring. She was like, hey, do you want to walk the Harbor Bridge? I always dreamed of walking the Harbor Bridge. I said, really? Because I don't know anybody who dreamed to walk the Harbor Bridge. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. And so we park. I don't, there's not even parking for the Harbor Bridge, so find somewhere to park. And we get out of the car, and if anybody has ever walked the Harbor Bridge, there's like, it's like four feet. Yeah, you can feel like three people. Then it goes down to two people. Then it goes to one and a half people. I'm one and a half people. So I was like, <laughs> I was getting a little too tight. <laughs> you sure you want to keep going? She's like, yes, I've always dreamed. I was like, okay. And so... We keep walking, and uh, I get this idea. I'm like, man, we're on a second date. <laughs> Things are going well. I'm afraid. We're standing side by side. So I go like this. I'm like, all right, let's go. And I reach for her hand, and she's like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, what? What are you doing? What? What? Are you? what are you? No one saw that, right? And so I got so mad. I got so mad, I was like, man, I ain't taking this girl on another date. 
I said, there's no way I'll go on another date with this girl. So on the fifth and sixth date, we were, uh, we were dating, and my dad has said, hey, DQ, so you're getting pretty serious. You're on your fifth date. You should know if you want to date her by now. If, 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 you don't, if you don't like her, don't lead her on. Break up with her. I was like, Dad, I never dated before. Give me time. And he was like, no, DeQuaylon, you can't, you can't play with girls' emotions like that. And so I was like, okay. So I decided, okay, I'm going to ask her out. So it was the 4th of July. Ooh, ooh, holidays, what all high school guys should avoid because you have to buy stuff. And if you don't want to buy stuff, I would avoid having a girlfriend. Anyway, so it's 4th of July. We're like, hey, let's go eat. And uh, we go eat. And then on the water, on the bayfront, we go down there. I buy her a lightsaber. And we're like all over bayfront. And we were playing. I was like, oh, yeah. Flirting, goofing around. It was all good. It was all fun. And so we started talking, and we're like, hey, this is what God has for me in my life. And then she's like, hey, this is what God wants for me in my life. And um, it started to match up. We found out spiritually we were exactly at the same level. We found out that, that we're, we're almost perfect for each other, and um, we, we knew we wanted to be with each other. So that night... Um, I plan to ask her out, but I didn't ask her out. And uh, we get in the car from the bayfront. The fireworks are over. We're sitting in the car. Awkward car ride home. Very awkward. And um, I, was, I, was, I was really nervous. And so we get in front of her house. And I remember sitting in front of her house, and she's about to leave. And I'm like, no, this is, I have to do it. I said I was going to do it today. I can't go home. My dad's going to make fun of me. And so <laughs> I sat there in the car. So I said, I said, hi. And she's like, why are you being so weird? I was like, I don't know. And I said, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? And then it was like quiet. It was like super quiet. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's about to say yes. And she was like, really? You're going to ask like that? I was like, what? You're gonna ask? She got mad at me for asking me her in my truck. And I was like, what? I didn't know. I really didn't. And she got super mad. And she goes, no, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And so I was like, man, like, she's my girl now. That means I can hold her hand. I can hug her. I can kiss her. I was like, mm. So we're on the seat. This is like the sixth date. And uh, I was like, I'm going to get my kiss tonight. But one thing that flashed in front of my eyes was the night we were on that stupid bridge. And she said, okay. I was like, she's going to slap me if I try to kiss her. I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm her boyfriend. So instead of just going over and kiss her, I, I go like this. I said, hey, can I, can I give you a kiss now? <laughs> and she says, yes. So I reach over to kiss her, and her face stays right there so I can kiss her on the cheek. I was like, what? What is your problem? What do I have to do? But it has made our, our, our marriage so amazing. My wife is truly, uh, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't have the passion that I, ha I have. I wouldn't have the drive that I have. Every time I get on this stage, you hear me honor my wife because literally I cannot do life without her. Uh, can you guys just give her a little praise? She's awesome. I love my wife. I love my wife. One other crazy thing we did 
when we were, when we were dating, when things got uh, a little too serious, uh, one of our mentors told us, hey, don't touch for six weeks. And I was like, bro, <laughs> what? You tripping? You tripping? He said, don't touch it at all. Don't even hold hands. I said, what? You tripping? Supposed to so for six weeks. She was like, oh, that's a good idea. We should do it for nine. I was like, oh. It's truly been amazing. Today, we're talking about the fear of rejection. We're talking about how to conquer that fear of rejection that you have. Sometimes we're afraid of when God does something, how he is going to execute it. We're afraid of the steps. Sometimes we're afraid that when we're doing the thing that God is calling us to do, what other people may think, what your family may think, what your friends may think. The people around you may think. Sometimes we're afraid that the thing that God is calling us to do is not possible. Today I want to help you break that fear of rejection. Can I pray with you guys really quick before we get started? Dear God, I just thank you for all of these amazing students, God. God, I pray that you just touch the whole room, that you reach this city, reach these students for Christ, God. God, I pray that you turn them from the inside out, God. God, I pray that you do something big here tonight. God, I pray that there's something in their hands, placed in their hands tonight, God, and they pick it up and they run with it, God. God, I pray that they get the courage, that they have the faith, that they have the strength, the power, they tap into the potential that you have given them, God. God, I pray that you use this night to get some students fired up about what you're about to do in the school year of 2017, God. Thank you for everything that you're doing. I pray over these students right now. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. All the people said. Yes. You guys fired up? I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I haven't been here for like two months, and I'm ready to go because God, like I said, has been doing some crazy and wonderful things through me, and I just get excited when I'm backstage seeing you guys worship because if you do the things that God is calling you to do, God will in return bless you. God will in return grow your ministry. He will change your friends, your family, your school, your city. He can change everything around you if you let him. But first, we have to tackle the fear of rejection. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is with his boys, and they're at the Last Supper, and he's going through some different, different things with them. And uh, he, he's giving them some commands, but then he says something that I'm like, whoo, that's rejection right there. So let's read it. On the way, Jesus told them tonight. All of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to, the Gal to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, if, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. I was like, oh, cool. So Peter, Peter's like, hey, even if all these guys back here desert you, I will never desert you. One thing that Peter did was, Peter denied Jesus before he even denied Jesus. What does that mean? The reason Jesus knew the disciples would desert him was because he knew the weight of the future. He knew what was about to happen. He knew they, they didn't have the strength to handle what was about to happen. He said, you're going to desert me. You're not going to be able to handle this. 
Peter's like, man, I, I, I can handle it. I can handle it. The first point that I have for you is rejection is in plain sight. Rejection is in plain sight. It happens around us every day, every single day. Here's a few examples. You see that kid who can't pass the math class because he doesn't turn in the work. Then he wonders why he didn't pass. Rejection. We see the kid who doesn't make the team because he didn't practice. Then he's mad that he didn't make the team. We see a relationship get torn apart because one party lost trust in the other. And you're saying, how's this rejection DQ? One of the things that I was that I found out when reading this scripture was that the root of rejection is fear. The root of rejection is fear. The fear of rejection is actually the problem rejection isn't. The fear of not being smart enough causes you to say, hey, I really don't want to do this schoolwork, and then you don't pass. The fear of not being good enough to make the team causes you not to practice because it's not worth it anyway. You're not going to make the team. The fear of trying in a relationship and the fear of not being pretty enough and the fear of not being good enough for another person causes the relationship to fail. The fear of rejection. You see, we're, 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 we're afraid of a lot of things. Rejection comes in plain sight, but what I realize is the root of rejection is fear. So how do we get rid of the fear? How do we get rid of the fear? How do we knock out the fear? How do we, how do we get rid of the fear that Peter had? One thing I realized is fear is public but faith is private. Fear is public, but faith is private. What I realize is that faith has the power to cure fear, but faith is in the private. One thing that I'm gonna read to you guys is we see Peter, he's, he's, he, continues, he continues to deny Jesus in Matthew 26, chapter uh, chapter 26 and verse 34 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples bowed the same. Peter shouldn't have said what he was going to do. Instead of asking, he should have tapped into the person that was in front of him and say, How? How, how do I conquer this struggle in my life? How do I conquer this thing that is about to happen? How do I avoid this from happening? What do I need to do? But instead, Peter selfishly says, hey, I will, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. Instead of asking Jesus, okay, Jesus, I understand. I believe you. I'm going to put my faith that is in the private in you so in the public 
The th no one will see it. This thing will not happen. We see Peter, his fear of denying Jesus costs him to deny Jesus three times. If you continue reading at home on your own, we see Peter actually does deny Jesus three times. And the reason I think this, is, this has happened is because Peter did not have the faith in the private to help his fear in the public. His fear in the public was denying Jesus. His faith in the private was a prayer time he should have had with him. This is something I want to bring up to you. Peter says, hey, I will never deny you. But we see later on in this chapter, Jesus takes Peter and a couple other disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, hey, why don't you stay here and pray with me? That same night, it was practice time. He needed to get on his knees and pray and prepare for what was about to happen next. But Peter had fell asleep. Practice how you play. If Peter didn't want to be rejected, and have that fear of rejection, he needs to have the faith in the private. That same, the same night, Peter was with Jesus, praying with him, and he falls asleep. God is ready to do something in this ministry. It's so easy to say that. It's so easy to say that. I can, I can point every single one of you out and say, hey, God wants to do something with you. God wants to use you. God wants to take this ministry to a whole nother level. But I want to let you know something. If we're not putting our faith in the private, then God won't do anything in the public. This is what I'm saying. We need some students to step up and learn how to get on their knees, in their room, in their closet, make the, make the church their room, make the church their family, make the church their school. We need some students to step up and have some faith in the private about this ministry. We need some students to step up and have some faith in the private about their family. If you want to see God do some things in your life, we need some students to have faith in the private so that God can bless you in the public. We see this with our own lead pastor. We have a church of 12,000, not because of everything, in the public, not because of fear of rejection. It's because he had faith in the private. It's because he was on his knees praying for a church. It was because he had faith in the private that God has blessed him. Does that make sense? God's ready to do something in this ministry. God's ready to do something in your home. God's ready to do something with you. We can tell you this over and over and over and over and over again, but God's saying, hold up, DQ. I need you to wait. If God wants to do something in this ministry, God needs to be in this ministry, so I don't need somebody to allow me to step in. I need someone to step away so that I can step into their life. I need someone to open up their heart, open up their eyes, open up their mind for, for me to come in and give you a plan, to give you a purpose, to give you a mission, to go tackle something. God is ready to use you, but it takes faith in the private. I really do believe that. Peter denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus goes and he's put on the cross and he dies and he raises three days later, and before he he died, he gave the disciples some instructions to meet him somewhere. And um, so we're going to pick up where they are, and, and, and they meet him. 
And there's something I wanna remind you. It says, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20 says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even though the disciples deserted Jesus, they still belong to them, belong to him. Even though they denied him, they still belong to him. He gave them a mission. He gave them a purpose. I want to remind you, you don't belong to the world. You belong to Jesus. You don't belong to the world. You belong to Jesus. And when you belong to Jesus, that means you're required to have faith. Jesus knew it was going to be tough. This is why he told Peter, hey, this is what's about to happen. I'm going to let you know, it's going to be tough. Peter needs to have a, a, a little faith. God knows that it's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy doing some of the things that he calls you to do. But he lets you know, and what he wants to tell you is that don't build yourself up in fear of what he's preparing you for. Build yourself up in faith. Equip yourself in faith. Because God is ready to take you somewhere, but in order to take you there, you need to destroy the fear with faith. The title of this message is Faith Over Fear, because we want your faith to destroy your fear. I want to explain something to you. Faith says, I can. Fear says, I can't. Faith says, I will. Fear says, I won't. Faith has the power to change your life and fear can destroy it. God is, is really cool. Um, he's done some really, really cool things in my life. And um, there's one situation that I want to share with you. And uh, it's an amazing story. Um, and I don't know why God placed me in the room at this time. But uh, it was awesome. So, um Back when I was younger, my family and, and I were very close. Um, I, my, my dad's side of the family is actually a really large family. It's nine of them. It's eight boys and one girl. And um, all of them except the girl has kids, and they all have four kids each. So we have a really, really large family. So it was always like what, whether we are just meeting just to say, hey, it was always a party because it was so many of us. You can't, you can't call 100 people, not a party. Like, it's a party. And so we used to always hang out. We used to always do things together. We were so close. And, um, and then something happened. When I was about six or seven years old, um, we had got a call. My grandpa had brain aneurysm. They're like, whoa, what is that? I'm like, you tell me. 
go to the hospital and we're praying with him and two days later he's in a coma. I'm like, okay. I'm six, seven. We're going to church, but I really didn't know what who Jesus was or what it was all about. I was like, okay. So we began to pray as a family. I remember going to the hospital almost every day. It's November 2002. And we're praying, a couple days go by. We're praying, a couple days go by. Okay. He doesn't wake up for the coma. It's down one week. Continue to pray. That's all we can do. You know, well, it's two weeks now. Continue to pray. It's four weeks. Pray a little bit longer. It's now six weeks. Keep praying, and now it's week seven. The doctors come in the room. All the siblings are there. Doctor says, can't keep him on any longer. We're going to have to unplug him in a few days. My family calls all of our extended family, and everyone who could be in town was in town. All his living brothers and sisters were there. All my cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, the last day and they're saying alright tonight we're going to have to unplug the machine so say your goodbyes well I told you we're a large family so it's like a while they said he's in a coma but he can still hear you so everybody's saying goodbye still a little too young to even know what's going on I just know Papa's dying is going to go see Jesus tonight. So after everybody says goodbye, everybody gets in the room. We all get in a circle. My dad begins to pray and everybody's praying in the room. Everybody had this attitude of, okay, about to happen. We're standing there. <laughs> I remember being at the foot of his bed. When I was little, I was like, who's looking? All of a sudden, my aunt says something and everyone looks up. My grandpa's looking straight at everybody, like, what the heck are you people doing? And he said, is that Claw Claw? That's what he called my mom. Everybody is crying and weeping with joy. And it was amazing. It was really cool because if I can set this picture up a little more for you, it was raining, it was thundering, it was December, it was cold, and it was a hundred really big black people in a hospital room. (laughs) 
the thing that I want to pull out of this story is that there was one person there. There was one person there that had more faith than the fears that were in the room. They had more faith to crush the fear of everyone thinking that they were going to lose Paul Paul. They had the faith to save and change something in the room because they believed. One person, I believe, I really do believe it was one person. I don't come from a really big Christian family. More than 95% of my family doesn't come to church. But I believe that one person had enough faith to change the thing that was about to happen in that room. Your faith has the power to destroy your fears. There's a verse that I memorized when I was in high school, and it's Matthew 21, 22. It says, if you pray and you believe, then you will receive it. I know how to pray. I know how to receive things, but do I believe it? But do you believe it? Do you believe that God can change the situation in your life right now? Do you believe that God can change the, the, the number in this room? Do you believe that God can take you from where you were to where you want to be? It's about the faith in the private. Someone in that room had enough faith to allow Paul Paul to live seven more years. I'm ready for God to change this ministry. I come up here excited every day. I come up here ready to worship with you guys, ready to jump, ready to run around. Some of you guys come here and say, hey, Yiki, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because I know the things that God has done in my life and how it can affect you too. I know the faith that I have in Jesus and what he has brought to me with that faith. He can do the same thing to you too as well. So I'm trying to get excited. I'm trying to encourage you guys. I'm trying to get, trying to get you pumped about the word of God, about church. One thing I learned about church is the only thing you get is what you take. So if you ain't taking worship that day, if you're not putting your hands up, if you're not worshiping, and if you're not giving everything you have, you're not going to get anything once you leave. If you're not listening to the words and the message, if you're not listening to the thing that God has prepared and brought to you, then you're not going to leave with anything. If you want something while you're here, you need to take it. God's ready to use you guys. I'm really serious about that. God has been getting me fired up, fired up. I'm yelling in my office. I'm jumping up and down. I'm on my knees praying at home. But I need someone else to have a little faith in their student ministry. I need someone else to have faith in the private so that that seat is filled. I need someone else to have faith in the private so that God can do something big through this ministry. There's one thing that I challenge the students I broadcast with when I preached this past week. We're talking about faith and destroy your fears. I want you all to have faith to invite one person next week. I want you to do it. I want you to say, I'm going to fill that chair next to me. I want you to say, I'm going to fill that chair next to me. 
I want you to put it to the test. Your fear of inviting someone. Will they say yes? Will they tell me no? What's going to happen? Oh, my gosh, I'm scared. I want you to put your faith to the test. There's some of you in here who are just ready to make the first step. You're ready to make the decision to follow Christ. You're ready to put your faith over your fears. You're ready to put your faith in Jesus. You say, hey, DQ, you know that energy, you know that, you know that thing that you have? I want some of that too. I didn't get my calling to be a pastor sitting at home doing nothing. I got my calling to be a pastor sitting in one of these seats, being inspired and saying, hey, I want to be that. I want some of that too. That guy's life is cool, and I want that. Some of you guys are asking for change. How can I, how can I make a difference? How can my life be changed? How do, I, how do I feel that feeling that you have? It's a faith and the private. And some of you guys can make that decision right now if you bow your heads. If you haven't accepted Christ already, I'm gonna give you that opportunity. You do it one time. If you're ready to put your faith over your fears, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, dear God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I believe that he rose three days later proving that he is God. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I make you Lord over my life. I give you full authority and permission to do whatever you choose with my life. Sing your son, Jesus Christ, name that we pray. Amen. If you just pray that prayer, what I want you to do is I want to put your faith over your fears. Your fear of what the person next to you is going to say or what, the, what your friend who invited you is going to think. I want you to have a little faith. I want you to stand up and in the back, my man Avery is going to explain a few things to you. What the decision means, what it means to follow Jesus. And when that person stands up, I want you guys to go crazy. Because you know what? We had one person who decided to put their faith over their fears tonight. Is there anybody who accepted Jesus Christ for the first time, the only time, and the last time? Anyone? Just a little faith. If there's anyone, I'm gonna pray us out. If there's anyone who accepted Christ, Avery's gonna be standing back there um, and he'll explain a few things to you. I'm gonna pray with you guys. Dear God, thank you for... Thank you for this group of students, God. God, thank you for, for putting me right here. God, thank you for putting each and every student where they are, God. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason, God. You have a mission for us. You have a calling on our lives, God. God, I pray that they put their faith over their fears this week. The fear of being rejected, God. God, that sometimes the world will reject them, but you never will. God, I pray that you get some students fired up about what you want to do through them. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's name, that we pray. Amen.